Welcome. This is Corinne Motokaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. Oh my gosh, I am living in the space of inspiration and possibility. It's been such a fantastic week, and it's all because I am home alone for five days. Five days times 24 hours. Well, just about 24 hours. Holy smokes. Normally I wouldn't be this excited, but after the past 11 months of being sheltering at home and not traveling and family not traveling, we we have a pretty busy lifestyle. My husband either travels, I travel. My daughters with their athletic stuff, they go about doing things and we have been under one house. And here is why. I'm so (laughs) middle-aged. I'm so excited to have the house to myself because my house is remaining clean. (laughs) It is such a beautiful sight to come out of my office and see the space left exactly the way I left it before I went into my office. So I am enjoying it so much. And the other thing that I'm enjoying is this space And I'm going to be talking about space some more in the show today, but this space of, you know, not, and I have a 19 and a soon to be 21 year old at home. So I remember having much less space when my kids were really little and needed so much more, but the needs, the desires, the working together, you know, the obstacles, the problems, the the grumpiness, the fighting, all of that, right? I have space and I've been able to think and do work and it's been amazing. And (laughs) they come back tomorrow night, which will be fine, but I've really been enjoying this. And here's something that's really, really important is I've had to practice enjoying the small things to really be able to enjoy this week and not have guilt that, oh, I'm a bad mom because my family is gone and I'm skipping for joy, like really skipping for joy. I am embracing it. And one of the things that Brene Brown talks about is joy is the most vulnerable feeling to feel like we want it. We have this quest for it, but it's really vulnerable. And I have been building up my receiving and my joyful, if you want to call muscles, my capacity over I don't know, over the last several years and really been able to embrace this and enjoy it. And yes, I know by Sunday, it will all change, (laughs) but I've been enjoying it. I just walk out and I'm like, wow, look at this. This is so amazing. Look at this. I just get so excited. And so I am living the dream I had 14 years ago of what I wanted my life to look like. (laughs) I know it sounds silly and my house is really not that messy, but you know, it's the breadcrumbs, it's the food, it's the, you know, the socks on the floor. It's that constant like nagging. Taylor Swift has that song. It's death by a thousand paper cuts. I'm like, it's death by, you know, this thing and that thing and this thing constantly. And I live with adults. (laughs) 
And the other thing I've been doing is filling up the space with music. Because I have to be honest, my girlfriend had texted me and she's like, wow, you're going to be home, you know, by yourself. And she has three young kids. And I said, yeah, I'm excited. I go, and I'm a little scared because I honestly don't know if I've been home by myself, gosh, since I've had kids. Because even when my kids would travel, typically one would travel and one would be at home. Or if my husband traveled, the girls would be at home with me. So it's a bit scary. And at first I was like, ooh, I'm not sure. But the beauty of space is you get to be a deliberate creative. What do you want to put in that space? And I started to understand like why music, I mean, I've been changing my relationship with music in this past year, but how music can fill up the space. And so I've been having tunes playing out in the house and just enjoying this time. So that is what is happening with me. I hope that you can find a bit of space in your life. And maybe that's, you know, space early in the morning. I know that's for me, it's been like a long time practice getting up before the family so I can have that space, space at nighttime, going to bed. And even when my family was home, there were not many nights I would just go to bed because I wanted time. When my kids were little, like space in the bathroom, (laughs) that was sometimes the only space. Sometimes for some of us, it's sitting in the car. I remember years ago when my kids were little, two and four at the time. And I had a group of women and we would get together and we would do these monthly dinners and we'd go to a nice restaurant in Sacramento because I said to them, I go, I want to be taken care of. I want to eat a meal where I'm not having kids hang on me and I want to be taken care of. And one night I couldn't get out of my house fast enough. And I'm was able to get out a bit earlier than we were planning to leave. And my girlfriend was coming to pick me up. I was down the street on the corner waiting for her to come. That was the space that I needed was 10 minutes on the street corner waiting for my girlfriend to pick me up to go to mom's night out. So whatever space that you can create in your life, give yourself that practice it and their capacity will grow. And one day you have the possibility of being able to enjoy five days to yourself and I'm really, really enjoying it knowing that probably come September, I will actually be an empty nester. It was a bit delayed from this past year. Okay. So on that note, I want to talk today about who you are becoming because that's the evolution we are all a part of and we're all becoming. And who are you becoming as you go through this thing we call life? One of the things this past 11 months that we faced is tremendous loss, right? There's been tremendous loss in so many different areas. They can be small losses of the normal day-to-day. They can be losses of connection. They can be losses of relationships. We've faced a lot of loss. And one of the things that I noticed with my clients and one of the things that I've been able to overcome myself is this fear of loss because I've noticed my clients are having this fear of loss. But here's something I really want you to invite you to consider is in the space of loss, there's also possibility. And we don't need to like, oh, I've lost. I'm going to fill it with possibility. We must, you know, go through our grieving of the loss, feel our feelings, and then explore and become a deliberate creator and be a leader of our life. And then think about play and practice. What do I want to fill this up with? What's the space I want to have? And becoming comfortable in that space. And one of the things in my own evolvement of who I am is, 
You know, there was a time where I didn't like to be by myself for this long and I've really, really enjoyed it. And granted, I'm coaching clients during the day, checking in with the monsters in the evenings, but I've really, really enjoyed the quiet time. I didn't need to connect with other people. And a long time ago, that was very different. So who I'm becoming is someone who's much more comfortable with herself, who really enjoys her own company. But there were many small steps along the way that I practiced it, you know, and some of it was like in the fall where I had Saturdays and my family was coming and going with all the different practices they were either swimming in or coaching. And so Saturdays became, well, I had the day off and I had all the space. They were all really busy and learning how to become comfortable with that. I've talked about this before on the show, white space, you may crave it and really want it. And you can feel tremendous anxiety in white space because it's like, what do I do? What's the right thing to do? What's the most productive thing? I shouldn't waste this time. It's so scarce. I don't have a whole lot of it, right? There can be a lot of mental drama about white space. That was one of the things in the recent that I did to become comfortable with this space that I have this week. And then the other thing that's been so fascinating about this week is I've been doing like a ton of paint by numbers. I talk about it. I love it. There's been no paint by numbers. Like I got my house cleaned up on Tuesday and put some stuff away and there hasn't been. And part of it is I've been filling up space with other stuff. I've been cooking again because my husband's not here to cook. And that's been actually pretty fun and delightful and yummy. Oh my gosh, shrimp is like my new favorite thing. But I haven't done that. I was like, wow. And I've also filled up the space and that's okay. And I'm going to come back to my pain by numbers probably tonight. So when you have space, when you have loss, right? And you may get triggered with fear, anxiety, feel those feelings and remember there's possibility. The other thing I want to talk about is this concept of being a better person or being the best version of yourself. And, you know, my clients are all very high achievers and they go into overachievement and, you know, working really hard. I had a client a couple of weeks ago say, well, I want to be a better person. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And one of the things that's really important is, is that, you know, when we talk about being a better person, are you discounting already who you are, your strengths and your flaws? right? Are you having this idealized, perfect person who once you become this better person, there's no more problems. People respect your boundaries. When you say no, they actually follow through and they don't hound you again, right? People show up to meetings on time. People don't create drama at work, right? Your kids pick up their socks. That is not what happens as you evolve to the best version of yourself, right? There's always going to be shit shows. There just are. You can live an amazing life and have shit shows and that's okay. It's what you do with those shit shows, right? And really this idea about being a better person is about being the essence of who you are. We go through life. Martha Beck taught me this concept a long time ago. This idea of the social self versus the essential self. Your essential self is who you were the day you were born. It's the essence of you. It's your soul. And then what happens is over time, if you want to use one of Brene's concepts of armor, over time, you put on armor because you become socialized. You must do this if you want to be accepted. You must do this if you want to fit in. You must do this. Or you're trying to survive. And so you decide this is who you're going to be. And you block off 
but we really desire who you really are. So being a better person is actually already inside of you and it's taking off all the layers so that we can see you. And there's also an acceptance of who you are. You don't need to be perfect at everything. We all have our strengths and we all have our flaws. And then in between those, there's a whole lot of other parts of us. And it's about loving all of ourselves. So becoming the best version of you, it's what's inside of you. It's about, you know, you showing up and being brave and really daring greatly in your life where you're like, Hey, this is what I really want. And it's scary and it's vulnerable, but I'm going to put myself out there and I'm going to go pursue it because there's something inside of you that's trying to come out. We all know that we all have that voice inside of us, but often we discount it because we're like, Oh, what do I know? That's not possible for me. But remember you're here. This is the place where inspiration and possibility meet. So as you become the best version of yourself, it is about taking off this armor, stepping into the arena and pursuing what your heart desires. And oftentimes we think it's, you know, the titles and the awards or the money or the external achievements. And, you know, I have clients that will achieve all that. And then they come and they're like, oh, I'm really empty inside. And we've heard this before. It doesn't mean you go, oh, I don't have any of the titles or the money or that. And I must go live the Spartan life. No, you can have those external achievements. They're fun. You know, one of the things I always say about swimming, swimming fast is fun. It's really cool to blow your own mind and go, holy moly, I did that. And to be really proud of yourself and to be able to have the capacity to be proud of yourself, right? That is such an empowering way to live where you're like, wow, look, I did this. I went after it. I did this and I feel really good. There's this internal sense that is just, it feels so good. So while we think it's titles, awards, or money, or the external achievements is who we're becoming, those are external factors, but who are you becoming on the inside? You know, and who are you becoming in this process of what you go through? Who have you become in the last 11 months, right? Maybe you're more agile, more confident, have your own back, trust yourself, persistent, brave. We're going to talk about confident again. <laughs> Maybe you're your own best friend. I'm becoming more and more every year, my own best friend. It's like, what do I think, Corinne? Instead of, you know, 20 years ago, I would survey every single person to see what they thought <laughs> so that I can make a decision, right? Grounded. Are you becoming more grounded where you just step into your knowing? So one of the things that has happened is I talked about my kids and they're gone. And so the reason that they're gone and they're adults, but I still call them kids and I call them girls is they are at their conference championships for swimming. And I think of their story as kind of like the iceberg. So what most people see is, you know, the ice that's on top of the surface of the water, but they don't see all the stuff underneath, you know, their motokitis is, there's a family history of swimming. You know, they're, they're part of a swimming family. Their dad's this Olympic coach, right? Twice Hall of Fame coach. Their mom is a former national champion in division two swimming and a Hall of Famer. It's, there's a lot of shadows. And so sometimes they get things taken away because it's like, oh, well, they're motokitis. Of course they're fast. And then I'm always like, well, what does fast mean? But one of the things is 
on the surface, they see, you know, Motokitis women, and they see these two young, beautiful women, they're division one athletes at a top tier university. It's like, oh my gosh, this is the dream, right? And for a lot of parents who are kids that are in youth sports, it's like, this is maybe the dream that they're aspiring for. This is the dream that they want to have for their kids. And one of the things last May, I had this realization of, you know, we weren't open. There weren't any pools open at the time. And I went, wow, who knows what it's going to be like? Are we going to be able to have these big social gatherings? And are we going to be able to have swim meets? Because swim meets can have, you know, a thousand people on a pool deck. Like the Olympic trials was supposed to have 1600 swimmers. And in 2012, there were, I think, 13,000 spectators. And that's not including all the support staff and the people running the meet. So it's quite a big venue, right? And I started to grieve because there was the loss of what I had known. Like, why is this happening? This shouldn't be happening. Of course, this is happening because I'm a loser from Loser Street. I didn't really go that far, but that used to be my old way of thinking. I had some bit of anger, but it was really grief. It was sadness. And I allowed myself to feel it. And I said, okay, well, their collegiate experience may be very different. They And I also realized there was the possibility that their program can be eliminated. And throughout the country, there were several, there were probably like seven division one teams that were eliminated. They were cut. Fortunately, some are coming back right now, but there was a lot of sports cuts that were done. And we already have that trauma in my house about that. So I grieved that. And I said, well, you know, even though it's, I can sit here and moan that it's not fair. I can also say, well, hopefully they get to swim and it may look different than what I experienced in my career, what their dad experienced in his career as an athlete, what we both experienced as coaches and to the thousands of swimmers that we've walked through this path with. It may be different. And I really focused on when they were able to open on June 19th to start swimming. I just focused on they get to swim. They're blue brains. They're so much happier when they get to swim. Like as long as they could keep swimming and wanting to have the start of the season and would they get canceled and not knowing and could they race? And, you know, it's been this up and down and there's been so much turbulence in their life this season. But what people will see is like my daughter was, you know, conference swimmer of the week a couple weeks ago after a dual meet. And what people see is, oh, that success. What they don't see is who my daughters have become in the last 11 months. My youngest daughter had tremendous losses. There were big meets that she finally qualified for that didn't happen. I mean, a year ago at this time, she didn't realize she was at her last travel meet until just this week, right? And she was planning to go to Florida for this big national meet, but that didn't happen. So we faced tremendous loss. But in that space, who did they become? They're that list that I talked about. They're more confident. They have their own back. They got really, really clear about what their priorities were. They made some choices and some sacrifices. They really didn't socialize because they didn't want to have the risk of potentially getting COVID and then having to be quarantined, having their season ended. So they've had a very different college experience than so many of us. And that would be the same for a lot of the kids that are in college right now at universities but they've really gone into more recluse because they didn't want to have the COVID exposure. They've had starts and stops in terms of they thought they were going to be able to race back in January. That stopped. It was like the start and stop. So there's been tremendous loss, but who they've become in this time has been breathtaking. 
And so as you go through, and I don't know what 2021 is going to be, and, you know, we're starting to reopen. And, but as we go through this, we could focus on the loss or we can focus on who are we becoming? Who are your children becoming? Who is your spouse becoming? Like, who are we becoming? And it doesn't mean that it's all going to be beautiful. Like there were lots of shit shows on this path of my, (laughs) my children and I becoming who we are. Okay. There were lots of disappointments, lots of roadblocks, lots of unexpected changes, starts and stops. I would say world war four is in my home. There was all of it. But when you get through this and you go through the rumble and the discomfort and you keep going, And all of a sudden you get that moment to pause and you see, wow, look at the strength, look at the resilience. And what I do know is they're going to be able to take these past 11 months. I'm going to take these 11 months and be able to, we have skill sets now that we didn't have 11 months ago. All of us do. We have skill sets. And don't ever discount the small ones. Some of the skill sets is, you know, just being more aware of where other people are in terms of our physical space. It's an important skill set, especially in this time of COVID, right? Getting really clear of what's really important to us and what's not. I know a lot of people have had clarity about that. And some of it's about being clear about the types of relationships we want to be a part of and the types that we don't. So who you've become in the last 11 months, we're going to use ongoing in our future. The other thing that's really important is who you're becoming is not a final destination. It's the journey we are all on, right? There's not this, oh, I became this person and now it's all fine. You're going to be constantly evolving. We want growth. We want change. Our perspectives change as we get older, right? So who are you becoming is not a final destination. And It's also not always 24 seven personal development. We need to be our best version of ourselves because my friend, there are rest stops, which can be AKA Netflix binges, right? There are vacations from who you're becoming. (laughs) You're like, I just don't want to deal with it. (laughs) Last fall, I watched Marvel movies on Saturdays. That was part of like filling up that space. It was like, what do I want to do? I didn't want to do any personal development. I wanted to be entertained. I watched two or three Marvel movies and I gave myself permission. That was huge because that's so not productive to be watching a Marvel movie on a Saturday morning at 1030 or one o'clock. But I did that, right? And I don't do it anymore, but I did it. And it was so good. I didn't know that it was going to prepare me for this week. And then there are also the foundation building times. And this is a really important thing. This is where it's a really frustrating area because it seems like nothing is changing, but it is all the foundation work that most people don't see, right? So an example of this is if you live in an area where there's a lot of, there's new homes being built and in this place in Davis called the cannery. And for years it was like, okay, supposedly they're building stuff. I see some big machines, but nothing seems to be happening. All that foundation work, you know, I don't know what they do, but whether it's, you know, preparing the ground, putting in the pipes, whatever it is, it just seems like it goes on and on forever and they're not doing anything. Right. And then they start to build. And then all of a sudden you look and you're like, wow, it's built out. So when you're doing foundation building times, There are things along the way that you do and you must celebrate it. 
So for an example, I don't know how long ago it's been, but I used to like never make my bed. My room was a mess like 25 years ago. It was like a disaster, right? I just was like, I'm so busy and overwhelmed. And I just started taking small steps. And so one of the small steps was actually, this is even before I started taking the small step, making a bed. I have duvet covers, duvet blankets. I have down comforters with duvets and I don't have a top sheet because I don't like to make my bed. All I want to do is just throw the blanket. And for the longest time, I couldn't even do that. I was like, that's too much work. I'm a busy person. I don't have time. (laughs) But over the years, I've gotten in the habit of just making the bed. I get out of bed in the morning, I make it. And there's actually a book about this. Like first thing you do is just make your bed. Then you have done something right. I can't remember. It's from a military gentleman. But that small step then led to other steps of like, oh, instead of having all the clothes on the floor, I can at least keep it in the closet. And over time, my bedroom has become a sanctuary for me. And it's a beautiful thing. And as I was walking around my clean house this week, I was like, wow, all of these small steps that I've been working on probably, you know, I've been building the foundation, I don't know, 10, 15 years it's come together. And in one week, it's like totally blissful. And you can say, wow, it's been this transformation one week, but really it's been the small steps along the way. And there's still more work to do, right? There's drawers to clean up from the laundry room that needs to be decluttered, but it's the foundation. So don't discount the foundation that you do, and it may not make a difference. And I learned this from Peter Walsh years ago, who's the clutter guy, he was on Oprah a bunch and he used to have a column in her Oprah's magazine. But he said, look, if you have 10 minutes, what can you do in 10 minutes? Clean out a drawer, declutter that. It doesn't have to be the whole thing. He used to have a show where he'd come in and they clean out the whole house, right? Most of us don't have a team for that. But what's one small thing you can do? That's part of who you are becoming. So during this foundation times, it may look like a housing development. The other side is in the athlete's world, right? Like, so they're supposed to be going to be the Olympics this summer in 2021. And so it'll be a five-year span, but typically it's a four-year span. Well, what people don't see, and there was a commercial Michael Phelps did for 2016, I think for Visa, it was like, people only see him every four years on the world stage. Because most of the time the, the world doesn't watch like the world championships and stuff in the off years, but they didn't see all the morning practices, all the hard work, right? All the disappointment along the way. They just see that, you know, for about eight days during the Olympics, him on this world stage. But there's a lot of foundation building. And for him over decades, right? You will need foundation building times. And then <laughs> there are also the detours. <laughs> you head down a path and you realize, uh-oh, hmm, this is not the path that I wanted, or this is not the, what I thought it was going to be. Right. And you're like, but I've already put in all this time and commitment. I can't turn around. (laughs) It's not a mistake. It's learning by going down that path. It gave you the contrast to help you. And actually it's part of who you're becoming. I know for me, I have that trap of productivity, which is like just my cover word for perfection. And so I'm like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't like to waste time but there's so much value in it because you learn, right? The more that we can be a learner. And there's also the spiral learning that occurs. And this is this, when you're able to circle back to the situation and expand your knowledge and your understanding and your skill set. So again, I'm going to talk about swimming. So swimming is a sport that is definitely spiral learning. There are four strokes. 
and we teach them from the time that, you know, you come in as a, you know, kindergartner, first grader, all the way through college. Like if you're a master swimmer, there are four strokes, but we're constantly increasing knowledge and understanding and skills. There's spiral learning. With my clients, we're constantly working on emotional literacy where they can understand what they're feeling. We're un- they're creating awareness of what are the stories that they're telling themselves? What is the narrative that they want? And we're constantly circling back to doing that work. And a lot of times it goes to a deeper level and like a holy moly and they can see it. So the spiral learning is huge. And sometimes it's easy to say, well, I've already learned that. I need to move on never discount the spiral learning. And remember I said about the deep learning, we go into those deep layers and you're going to learn what's underneath the anger, the rage, right? When I talked about my grief for my daughters with their collegiate career is there was anger at first. This shouldn't be happening. When I got really underneath that, it was sadness, it was fear, and it was loss. And then I could really feel those feelings. And then that was allowing me to move through it. And if you notice, I realized that talking about my kids' college career is very privileged. And I don't call it a first world problem. Because one of the things that I learned in 2020 about grief and loss and trauma is your loss is the most significant loss right? So all I can do is share this. And then you can think about what your loss is. We don't need to get into comparative suffering. It's really important to recognize your privilege. And then what do you do with it to help others who may not have the privilege, but to say, oh, this is a first world problem. That is not you being your own best friend. That is not empathy. And think about like, if you were to say that to your best friend, seriously, that's not a first world problem. What's your problem? Why are you dealing with this? Why are you struggling? There's no compassion in that. That's just shame. And we all have enough shame. We don't need to add any more. So don't call it first world problems because that doesn't help move forward. That doesn't allow who I'm becoming. Instead, what happens is you go and hide away because you have shame of, oh, I shouldn't be feeling so bad because, you know, there are people that don't have electricity or aren't being able to eat or that don't have food, right? That doesn't help anybody. But if I can get into this place of compassion and empathy, part of who I'm becoming is I can be a person that can help solve problems, or I can be a person who contributes to those who may not have the privilege that I do. So as we wrap up today, at times, especially in my own becoming, or or as I get to be this honor and the privilege of being this compassionate witness for my clients on their journey of who they're becoming, oftentimes it can seem impossible when you first get started and it's messy and we don't want it to be messy. We want it to be efficient, quick and fast, right? We want that fairy godmother wand, damn it. (laughs) But it's not impossible. It's messy and you can do it. We can do hard things. We can overcome and keep focusing on where it is that you want to go. Remember, don't discount those small steps the changes. And remember, as I use that example of making the bed, the first step was not having a top sheet because I didn't like it. You want to have to make it. It would always get, you know, smushed away. And so my simple solution, duvet cover. And I still couldn't make the bed. (laughs) 20 years ago, I couldn't be bothered to make my bed. And I'm a person who joyfully makes her bed. And I have two duvet calibers because I'm cold. 
but it's, it's a very simple process. So those small steps built up over time where I'm sitting here today, 14 years later, as I said earlier, really enjoying this space. So don't discount the small steps, the changes, the learnings. There's so much learning and you may have great domain knowledge. You may be this expert. You may be this badass in this area, but there's still so much learning that can happen. You are becoming more of you as you bravely remove the armor that you've used to protect you, that has allowed you to try to feel safe or try not to be seen or attacked and or who you thought you needed to be, you were supposed to be, or who others wanted you to be. So as you become more of yourself, you're letting go of what other people's expectations are, what you've been told you need to be, and you're becoming more of you each day. And my friend, we want to see you. So I have a little challenge for you. I want you to tag me in Instagram and let me know who you're becoming. I can't wait to see. Oh, and my handle is Karen Motikaitis, K-O-R-E-N-M-O-T-E-K-A-I-T-I-S, Karen Motikaitis. All right. Are you ready to enjoy your life without Netflix being your only source of happiness? Then join Grounded Confidence today, where you will get clear on what you want without all the anxiety and insecurity and doubt that normally cloud your vision. Stop faking social situations or clinging on to relationships that you know are holding you back. Or maybe you want to set boundaries with people in your life and start getting your needs met without a lot of drama. Join Grounded Confidence to create these and many more changes in your life. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wide awake.